Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, I want to start this podcast out with an apology to all of our listeners for it being a day late. So my sincere apologies. But it was very important to me, as our listeners can understand, it was very important for me to fly out to Los Angeles, which is where I'm recording this podcast from right now. Because when the the baseball team that you're a lifelong fan of has a historic season, gets a bye, and is going to be playing a really important National League Division Series, you got to just drop everything and fly out and go see them. So I'm here in Los Angeles to see the Los Angeles Dodgers, who I've been a lifelong fan of. Let's go! Yeah, I mean, you were rocking your, uh, you, I know you were rocking your Juan Uribe uh, jersey the other day uh, yeah. when we were recording last week's podcast. I know that you've been... I have Andre uh, Ethier in every color. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, we were sharing that we were at the, the Mets-Padres opening wildcard game on Friday night. But really, I was just there as a Dodgers advanced scout to see who was going to advance and play against them. Right, I know you have that open line of communication with Andrew Friedman. I mean, it's kind of, we have a great sort of yin and yang on this podcast because you have a direct line to front offices and I have the direct line to owners. That's so exactly we really right. have all our covers, our bases covered. I mean, Friedman and I go back to his days with the Rays where I was <laughs> one of his his biggest supporters. Mm-hmm. Frankly, honestly, his right ma- right-hand man yeah. among middle schoolers. Yeah, defending him uh, amongst, you know, jealous edgelords. Online? On all of the forums? On all of the Reddit exactly. threads? <laughs> exactly. No, no, Alex. I'm in Los Angeles for work and for a My Chemical Romance concert. Those That's right, two you reasons are. And those two reasons alone, it has nothing to do with the National League Division Series. It has nothing to do with my dearly departed New York Mets or my new preferred team to win the World Series, the Los Angeles Dodgers. How are you, how are you doing? You know, mostly worried about you. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, last 48 hours has been a little touch and go. Uh-huh. Are um, you going to pop open the iMessages for this pod? Should we pop up? <laughs> what, me trying to just have a conversation about baseball with you and you saying, I, physically, I'm like four planets away. So, <laughs> like, I there's... <laughs> yeah, it was a little tough. Um, but I'm also, you know, being in the bag for the Mets, um, being your friend, uh, and just being a fan of like good baseball, the the, the Mets Padres series was especially tough to watch. Really weird, kind of overall wild card series. Not, uh, very little normal about it. And I know we're going to get into all of it, but I have a lot of feelings. They're going so many different directions, and I I need your help to ha- to to parse through them. If that's okay, okay. I can. I I think that I'm in right. the state to be the therapist you are here. to be the emotional support. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, well then why don't we waste no more time let's get into it but before we do I am Bobby Wagner I am Alex Baisley and this is Tipping Pitches Alex the time has come for me to talk about the New York Mets being eliminated from the playoffs are we just getting right to it I think we should, right? Like, unless there's yeah. something else that you want to talk about. What are we first. Bearing, bearing the lead? <laughs> we can talk about the ESPN broadcast first if you want to. No, but that <laughs> seems like a, a poor <laughs> practice, bad content creation. No, we should talk about the Mets because this was the first time they have made the playoffs since we have had this podcast. My misery has been much more spread out in past years rather than the very concentrated misery that I experienced in the last three days. Uh, I honestly don't know how to how to talk about it. It was genuinely really bad, like real world bad feeling, bad vibes. I'm I'm more so interested in hearing your advice for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm interested to hear a bit about the circumstances under which you witnessed this this moment. Can you tell tell me, tell the listeners, just kind of the space that that you were in and if that informed 
in any way how you were feeling. If it reinforced it, if you felt more alone, if you just you know felt at home in a room of of people who were feeling the same thing as you, like what was what was that process like? Alone in a crowded room, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is we're like writing a Robin song about my experience <laughs> watching the mess. So okay, game one Friday night, we went together. One of the more miserable baseball experiences I've ever ever had in my life. Max Scherzer looking about as, as bad as he's ever looked on a major league mound. The air completely coming out of a of a a pretty rocking city field. Uh, that was my first time watching the Mets in person in playoffs in my life. Uh, I had only ever been to one playoff baseball game before that. It was the Dodgers and Giants last year in the NLDS. It was actually Scherzer's start that the Dodgers won. So the cruel irony, the cruel, cruel irony of that. Um, the, the thing about that game is that it was so bad from the very beginning that it was just not a fun game to sit there <laughs> really and watch sucked. to the bitter end. I mean, nobody in the, in, in the, our section or most people in the stadium were having a good time. Like almost everyone on the team was getting booed for their performance and then tried to flush it Saturday. We, we had a nice day together. You, me, our significant others, our whole friend group. We went apple picking. What a wholesome day for mm-hmm. us to come back and watch the Mets win. Have a right. nice Conjuring up those good vibes. Just exactly. all around us. Just just soaking in October, you mm-hmm. know? Just having right. the most Americana experience. Teaching you what a hayride is. Because apparently that's something that you didn't know. <laughs> my, my coastal elite is showing. They have hay on the coasts. I don't understand. I grew up 45 minutes from the ocean. And we had hayrides. We have farms. All right, we're not doing this again. Okay, we're not doing this again. So Sunday rolls around. I'm trying to be as optimistic as possible, but there's a there's a deep pit in my stomach all day long because the Mets have already shown their Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in this one series, and even more so in the last month in September, where I've s- sort of been watching this train wreck in slow motion of all of the Mets' flaws be put on center stage in this trial run again, in the series against the Braves the last weekend of the regular season. And I'm like trying to, there's like competing thoughts in my head. Like on one hand, I'm like, I've watched the Mets fail so many times. On the other hand, I remember 2015. I remember being surprised by this team. I remember good things happening. I saw this team win 101 games this year. Thought maybe this was different. They put up the duddiest of duds that I've ever seen. And the most frustrating part, honestly, the most frustrating part of all of this. The saddest part is all of the, the guys who might not be on the team next year. And I don't even think that I'm ready to talk about that until no. it's like confirmed that it's not happening or that we'll it get, is happening. We'll get to that on next week's session. <laughs> right. You got to keep me coming back. You, know? <laughs> exactly, you got to keep exactly, getting my copay. Exactly. <laughs> um, the most frustrating part is that they just looked totally heartless. And I'm usually not one of those people that is like, oh, they rolled over or at least not publicly in front of microphones i'll say shit like that to you all the time but that's right. just my frustrations manifesting in my years and years of listening to new york sports radio but i'm usually not one of those people that's like they look like they gave up they look like they had too much pressure they looked like they that they shrunk in the moment but i don't know how you watch that series and i don't know how you watch the last two weeks of the regular season and think anything differently of this team there was just a lot of 2021's false confidence peeking through at the worst times. And I don't think that they took the dire situation that they were in seriously enough. And yeah. it came back to bite them because everybody who makes it to October is good. And this Padres team is, is no joke, man. They are all in as all in gets. And they were just exposed. And frankly, when I saw that it was Musgrove Bassett on Sunday, because I was really trying to take it game by game, you know, mm-hmm. Darvish Scherzer felt like a real coin toss to me. I was very confident about beating Snell because even though Snell has put up good numbers over, against the Mets over the years, this Mets team is different and Snell is a nibbler and they take a lot of pitches. They see a lot of pitches. They work counts. I just felt good about them bouncing back against a bad performance against Starvish. But then Musgrove just feels like the exact kind of pitcher who was going to steamroll them and he did. And it honestly was sad to watch unfold all of the sticky stuff controversy, just the air being let completely out of the balloon for nine straight innings. Mm-hmm. It it really like af- at the end of it, when I was just sitting there staring at the TV that I had shut off the second they made the last out 
yeah. because I couldn't put up with this ESPN broadcast anymore. If I have to hear Carl Ravitch again, I'm just going to lose it, man. <laughs> I'm just going to lose it. I sat there staring and I just thought, man, I don't, I don't know how many more times I can do this. I don't know how many more times I can watch 135 games in a baseball season and feel this strongly about each and every one of them just for it to come to an end in, th- in three days. Yeah, you, you, you texted me something uh, similar right after the game ended. That's what I was, I was concerned. You know, I was like, we have a, we have a Patreon to do. People are, people are kind of counting on, on your sorrow to, <laughs> you know, like, come on, man. Um, no, I, I <laughs> just pushing me back out there. <laughs> Get back on stage, Elvis. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Next, I'm going to be doing like a weird, like Transylvanian accent. Right. You know, can you, the if boy you do the rest must, of the... <laughs> must go on. <laughs> this is what you get like two glasses of wine in um sure yeah listen i flew across country today if i can do it you can do it <laughs> i mean i wish i had more like words of affirmation or or like support to give you i mean I, there was a lot of sort of fatalism around the mets as the year came to an end because they looked pretty limp as you mentioned over the last few weeks of the season mm-hmm. and that translated to the playoffs as it you know i mean there's been a whole dialogue about momentum right going into the postseason over the last maybe decade or so and if it really matters if it really means anything and i maybe put less stock in it than other people do but i also think it's very real that players get worn down after a long year yeah and it sucks when you see a collection of them all sort of look a little winded at the same time. That's how you end up in this situation, right? But for, you know, two-thirds of the year, they looked like the team they were actually playing like, right? And and that's the thing that, like, I'm struggling to grapple with as it comes to the Mets is, like, is it they were fraudulent? Or is it that they... <laughs> There's just no way to pose a question like There's that without really it sounding not, like Mike Francesa. Like, hey, they were fraudulent. Are the Mets fraudulent? Right or after are they- this... <laughs> Call in. You know, but are they just a baseball team who got cold in August and September and October, right? And and honestly, at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter, right? Because if you lose the last game of the season, it really doesn't matter where your streaks came, where your hot streaks came, where your cold streaks came. Yeah. But it makes it hard to sort of decipher what to make of this team, especially, as you mentioned, going into such an uncertain offseason. They just, they just feel like a team carrying like a weight around their neck all the time. And the fan base feels like they're they're waiting for everything to go wrong all the time. Mm-hmm. And when I say, like, I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this, I don't mean, like, how much longer I can continue to watch baseball, how much longer I can continue to be a Mets fan, but I don't know how much longer I can f- just opt in all the time, you mm-hmm. know, to, to that feeling. Like, I don't know how much longer I can opt into feeling the lows as low as possible and feeling the highs and allowing myself to to dream about what might actually happen, you know, because, because at the end of the day, it's like, it's not, it's not really an, an indictment of like the Mets organization, or it's not just the same old Mets that they lost in this playoffs. It's just that number one, they weren't the best team. They, I think Atlanta proved that they were better than them. I think the Dodgers did more than prove that they were better than them, even though the Mets took a series off them. In, in the middle of the summer that everybody got really excited about. But even if they had been the best team, it doesn't guarantee that they're going to win the World Series. It doesn't, like that very rarely ever just shakes out that way. And the Mets fan base, more so than any other fan base, to me, feels like they don't want to experience joy. And they're just waiting for everything to go wrong. Yeah, And I, I mean, I'm, I'm certain that I've been a part of that as much as the average fan, if not more. But it just doesn't feel like the best way to watch baseball. And I'm really trying to trying to think about what that means for how I watch baseball going mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. It feels it feels really bad, you know? Like I, I put a call for listener questions out and a lot of people just asked about the Mets. Or, you know, our friend Abigail bring the noise on Twitter, or Allison McCaig, who was on this podcast a few weeks ago, 
asked, how do I not be sad? And I just I don't, I don't like, have I don't, an answer. I, just, I, I don't, don't have an answer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. We got a question in Slack from, from Dante who asks, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, I'm okay. But I feel stupid for having <laughs> felt so stressed about this team all year just for them to put up one of the worst performances. They, it literally could not have gone worse on Friday and Sunday. Like nope. those, they nope. could not have played worse. And I'm just like, look at me and my stupid clown makeup for putting so much time into this team. That's the folly of life, isn't it? It is. You know? It is. I mean, that's just the sport, though. I, right, yeah. And I mean, I think you're, you're certainly right when you talk about Mets fans' specific sort of relationship to their team, right? And I, you know, I saw some like Mets fans online coming into the playoffs being like, why does everyone like make fun of us? Everyone's like, you know, rooting for us to fail or like expecting us to like lose or whatever. And a part of me is kind of like, right, because that's your guys' MO like 80% of the time. <laughs> like other fans are going to inevitably chime in. And it may be right and it may be wrong, but I mean, maybe only you guys can talk about the team that way. Maybe we can't. You know, because we're not actually in a relationship with them, right? Like, there's something deeper there. But I do think that relationship to the team is particularly unhealthy. You know, like, it's sports fans' unhealthy. relationship to their teams in general is not the most healthy thing. Um, but I I agree that, like, when I see you like this, I'm like, buddy, there's there's got to be a better way. Dude, I, you know what I think it is? Because baseball reveres its history so deeply it's just impossible for Mets fans to divorce this team this year's team 2022 from any past team so whether that's 2015 and getting on an incredible heater and coming up short in the end to the Royals or whether that's 2006 Adam Wainwright striking out Carlos Beltran those low those incredible lows Coupled with the highs that the franchise has had, the like very occasional highs, you know, going on an insane run in 1969, starting the You Gotta Believe, making it to the World Series in 1973, Tom Seaver having some of the greatest seasons that pitchers have ever had. And then 1986, just the best team in franchise history, pulling it out of the hat at the last minute, even though they were the better team and they should have been expected to win. These highs that the franchise have had are so high that it just feels like so all or nothing with this team. Like every single year, just chips are in the center of the table, emotionally speaking. And even if that's not true about the way that the team is behaving competitively, it may be more true now than it ever was in the past with the way that Steve Cohen spent this year. It just feels like so all or nothing all the time. And 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 just uncertain. And I just don't know, like, I don't know how we break out of that cycle. And I don't know if it's just like, needing to see it for three, four, five years of this team being good and being in it and getting multiple shots in a row. But man, this team made the playoffs like a couple times early in my life, then didn't make the playoffs again until the mid-2000s and then went on a huge drought and didn't make the playoffs again until 2015. And then they made the wild card in 2016. They were out of it for six more years in a row. Like I just, we're all so... I don't want to speak for all Mets fans because maybe they don't all feel this way, but we're all so nervous of them blowing every individual chance they have to make those, you know, generational memories. It just feels like every time it's just this insane gut punch in a way that I don't know, man, it it didn't really feel like the nationals felt pretty cursed in the way that they went out, you know, three or four years in a row in the mid 2010s. And I never really felt like this level of angst from the Nationals fan base. And I'm just trying to like reckon with those two things in my head. Like, Why does it always have to be either the greatest triumph in the history of sports where we make 10 documentaries about these teams or the most embarrassing loss in American professional sports history? There's never anything in between. And it's just not a good way to be a fan of a team in a sport that is already taxing on its fans because of how, because of how many games you have to play throughout the year and how long the season is and how much time you have to invest 
in each and every team and how many things could go wrong in that long, long calendar of the season. Yeah, baseball is particularly grating because you probably dedicate more time to watching games than you do in any other sport, for the most part. Any other major sport in the U.S., certainly. And so once you're done with, like you said, 100, 120 hour games, you're like, what am I left with? Yeah, I watched this team for like... I got this, I got this awesome uh, free shirt Friday shirt <laughs> sponsored by PC Richards and Son. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I wish I had the answer for you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to play, play the role of the empathetic friend. And rather than try and provide you with a solution, I'm just trying to wallow with you here in the misery. You know, sometimes the thing you need most is just someone to say, hey, your pain is valid. And Bobby, mm-hmm. I just want to let you know your pain is valid. I hear you. They're going to do it one of these days, I guess. It, I have no other choice but to continue to tell myself that. Uh, we got a question in the Slack from Anthony. What will, what will we remember about this year's Mets team? What are the good things that we will remember about this year's Mets team? I mean, there are so many things. That's why part of, partially why it's so crushing. Because... Right now, with only 24 hours of retrospect, it feels not that great to remember those things. But I'm sure a couple months from now, it'll feel really great to remember those things. It'll feel amazing to remember all of the new guys that joined this team. Mark Hanna, Eduardo Escobar, you know, these guys becoming pretty immediate fan favorites. Starling Marte. Sorry to just name multiple A's. (laughs) That the Mets got. We're at different stages of grief right now. It's fine. Right, exactly. You're... (laughs) You you're in acceptance. You like, right. you already I'm are way into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Francisco Lindor had the best Mets shortstop season in franchise history and he yeah. is a, a you know, he is a beam of light on this franchise. He's such an easy guy to get behind. He's such an easy guy to root for. The way that he has sort of become a cornerstone of this franchise, like you couldn't you couldn't script a better person to be in the center of the diamond every day to have this wonderful relationship with Buck and the front office and to see his family sort of like ingratiate themselves amongst the Queen's, Queen's community. I'll remember all of that. I'll remember DeGrom coming back halfway through, even though, honestly, not to get too far ahead of myself with the whole like DeGrom opting out, is he going to be back storyline? It sort of felt like he was he was like his own entity within the team this year because he came in halfway through and he's so good and he's such a franchise icon that it almost felt like he was like not a real guy. Like he was just sort of like a superhero just sitting there in the clubhouse that everyone was sort of like towing lightly around the whole situation with him. But of course, I'll remember watching him. I, I made it appointment viewing as often as I could. I mean, I remember Pete Alonso having one of the best offensive seasons in, in Mets history, you know, like, and of course, I'll remember Buck. I mean, I don't, the Mets haven't really had a manager like this in my life. They've had good managers. They've had managers that I've really liked. I will forever be a Willie Randolph fan, forever be a Terry Collins fan, even though he's done his best to, to lose some fans over the last couple of years. Um, but he's a franchise legend too. But they've never really had someone like Buck who's just like been all around the league and who just seems like this fountain of wisdom all the time. And he's so entertaining to watch talk and I could just listen to him tell stories and answer questions all day. And it just adds such a rich, richness and a texture to the fan experience to have a manager who's up there like that with this this sort of like the sort the type of humility that you can only gain from being humbled year over year over year over year as a manager. This is a guy who's never won a World Series. He's never made a World Series. He has the most wins of any manager to have never managed a World Series game. So he felt sort of like the perfect guy to be at the helm of this team to try to, to try to steer them to the promised land while he's also trying to do that for himself for his for his historic and wonderful career. Um, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch of stuff. I'll remember going to games with you and all of our friends, moving back to New York, having a great team greet me when I got back here. There's a lot of there's a lot of really good stuff to take away from this season. It's just like I said, I just <laughs> I feel spent. And I guess that's how you're supposed to feel at the end of a baseball season, but I don't remember feeling this spent at the end of every other one. Maybe it's just because I was 19 in 2015, but I felt like weirdly optimistic when they lost to the Royals. Like I was like, they'll be back. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> think now it's I'm sort little... of like, 
Am I going to live to see them get back? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think that like certainly the pressures placed upon the team also have grown in the last couple of years with Cohen at the helm. I think there's maybe a little bit of an expectation, whether it's correctly placed or not, that things are going to change top to bottom, right? It's not the the Mets of yesteryear. These are the Steve Cohen Mets, right? We've got we've done away with the Will Ponds and their, you know, shoddy business practices. It's a new era. And it kind of hurts to see things end like this. Even when you know it's not necessarily a reflection on the specific talents of the individual players. I don't know, man. It's it's a it's a fool's errand trying to like do a retrospective on a on a season like two days after it's over or a day after it's over, right? You know, like yeah. I'm like, I don't know. What did I what did I enjoy about this season? But did I enjoy anything? I didn't I also didn't not enjoy anything. I just kind of was, you know? <laughs> just just there. <laughs> um congratulations to the Padres. They're good. I don't think that they stand <laughs> a chance against the Dodgers, but right. they're good. They're a good yeah. team. They got mm-hmm. some some really good players. I I uh, wish I had more at, more to add to that, um, uh, but I don't. So the Dodgers are, remain very good. Yeah. Should we uh, Should we move on to the rest of the wild card series, or do you want to do you want to spend this time here? Do you want to spend this time here talking about uh, the ESPN broadcasts? Because I know you got some takes. Media criticism, Alex, is here. He's ready. I have some brief thoughts, but some of them relate specifically to. Some of the other some of the other series that were played. So let's let's get to those, and then maybe we can dive in a little bit. Okay, uh, let's do Phillies Cardinals next. Right, the one that relates to my uh, uh, complaints about ESPN. Mercy <laughs> done. It's almost like we planned this. Um, so so do the Phillies just have devil magic now? Is that what this means? Is it sort of like if you out devil magic the devil, then you become him? I'm losing the losing the thread right. of this. Just metaphor. like how if how if you out pizza the hut, you become <laughs> the hut, right? Well, no one out pizzas the hut. So well, it's like, okay, it's like oh, carried away. okay, 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 okay. So it's is it like a is it like a like a title belt in boxing? You know, if you beat the champ, you get to hold the belt until they beat you again. <laughs> right, exactly. When you're playing knockout, you get to play until someone else knocks you out. Let's right? keep going. Let's see if we yeah. can keep keep this one running. <laughs> It's like in freeze tag when you're it. <laughs> right. It's like when you're in the MLB playoffs and you get to continue playing until someone else beats you. Right, exactly. Uh this was the Phillies are are man, I'm I'm gonna hate to say this phrase out loud, Alex. <laughs> the Phillies are a fun team to be in this playoffs. They're just like a you never know what's gonna happen. They That's, could make that th- is true. They could make three errors in an inning and they could it, that could cause them to lose ten to one. They could be down two nothing heading into the ninth, looking deader than dead, and then they could put up a six spot on you. They could, they could, they could probably do both in the same inning if exactly. you asked them to. They could trot out Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola and make Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado two of the top three MVP finishers in the National League, most likely. Yeah, look like double A players. They could or, make Zach Eflin their fucking closer, man. Like I don't, they can do whatever they want. Literally, they are they are the the chaos team of 2022 to me. That is, to me, that is what they represent. And if I'm on the other side of that, (laughs) I feel uneasy. (laughs) Like, they're playing with house money. I think I probably underestimated the Phillies a little bit throughout the year because they were playing in a really competitive NL East, right? They obviously, their defensive woes have been well documented as have their trials in the bullpen which has just been a an adventure really and and yet you do watch them play baseball for a few innings and you're like it's a pretty good middle of the order that's a pretty good uh pretty decent one-two punch that's uh they actually do have most of the pieces to play competitive baseball most of most of so we don't have a ton of time to break down every individual series, but you know, you as the Cardinals apologist on the podcast, right? Would you like to maybe have a a nice little therapeutic pour one out for them the way that I just did for the Mets? I know how near and dear they are to your heart. 
yeah, can I get 20 minutes on Yachty or Molina like you got on the Mets? <laughs> Yachty, not even Albert. <laughs> I like how I like how the whole season has been about Albert coming back, chasing 700, Yachty and Wayno breaking all these records. But like Wainwright's just going to be back next year. Mm-hmm. Still throwing 89, 3-5 ERA, throwing curveballs, getting people to roll over. Like, yeah. The, the, Nobody has explicitly said that he's retiring or coming back, but it just seems like they've only really been giving the send-off to Yachty and Albert. Right. Well, like, he didn't... I don't even think he played in this wild card series, right? Like, he didn't start, certainly. So, like... Yeah, anytime you can get Miles Mikolas out there, you just gotta do it. <laughs> wow. Couldn't Brutal to, drive-by on our man. Just couldn't happen to a better guy, you know? <laughs> no, they wouldn't send Wainwright off like that so you're right that like they them being made as like this trio them starting jose quintana in game one of a series that they had their entire rotation set up for in 2022 jose quintana like a like a dump trade contender from four years ago <laughs> wow wow no he's going really, after i'm the saying hole. he's really turned his his career back around he was great oh i see he I was see. middling and now he's pretty good again but honestly i think it's a little bit of an indictment on the cardinals franchise generally speaking that they don't have like a top of the rotation guy that they feel great about they are sort of trying they're in this they're in this period where they're trying to like like ring more out of this strategy that they've employed for the last two decades to great great success which is just develop these players pull these guys out of nowhere get the most with the least, you know, the whole is greater than the, the sum of its parts, you know? And they felt a little bit uh, like punched in the mouth and they, they didn't have a, a counter punch to throw. And in part because Goldschmidt and Arenado, who are sort of their all-in moves, just came very, very small. Very small. Yeah, I it's kind of nice that we it didn't even take a Canadian vax law to see them put up zeros in the playoffs, you know? Exactly. Like... That's actually um, silver lining. Justin Trudeau couldn't keep us down. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the Mariners Blue Jays. I just wanted to mention, and we don't have to dwell on this too much, um, mm-hmm. but I wanted to put out there the idea that watching baseball on ESPN is not a good fan experience. Bro, we've been knowing this, though. Yeah, I know. And yet, and yet, every time I tune in and the little score bug is like glitching out or the audio is like dropping out for like three seconds or whatever it is. Or Edmund's coming in and they're not showing Narcos. I'm like, sorry, maybe I missed your description. It was the worldwide leader in sports. (laughs) Oh my God, get him. Wow! Like far be it for me to be the guy who's like ESPN needs to be put in their place, but like come <laughs> on, man, it's a fucking wild card game. Like wow, Alex putting out the dropping the gauntlet to Big Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I mean, someone has had to put them in their place, right? For a long while now. I, I, Bob Chapek is running and hiding <laughs> from this podcast. <laughs> part of part of these are like gripes with the general production, which I think is somewhat lacking. And part of it is like the talent they choose to staff, right? Alex Rodriguez was, (laughs) Alex Rodriguez was suggesting bottom nine, two outs, Cardinals with a runner on first, that they should like seal second. You know, they're probably not going to be paying much attention to you, he said. So why not try and seal second base here? Michael Kay. Michael Kay, who's the other person in this booth, says, A-Rod, don't you think it would be kind of a bad look to end your season getting out thrown at out at second, second base? And yeah. he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely. The risks are really high, which is why they probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> I was like, I. this gives me so much hope for success in life. It really, it really, really does. I mean, not to, not to go full audiophile on you, uh-huh. but the mixing of this broadcast with the, the <laughs> there here it is the crowd <laughs> noise pulling out the greatest hits. i have genuinely no idea how loud the crowd was at any point 
No. It just all felt like the same low hum throughout the series. Even in yeah. big moments. You didn't hear any kind of roar. You know what you could hear, though? The ball off the bat. The ball off the bat. The umpire <laughs> taking every breath that he took right. for some reason. <laughs> him telling the pitcher whether it was high, low, inside or outside. That's what I actually come to baseball for, is to hear the umpire. Uh, I could hear Chris Bassett grunting right. his way through a shitty three inning start. Right. That was what and I was telling Tomas Nito that he couldn't hear the pitch come. In big, bright, shining lights in October, listen to the umpire grunt. I'm sure Rob Manfred is on the case, though. I like, I'm sure he's really going to put the requisite pressure that needs to be put on their broadcasting partners to really step their game up. Uh-huh. We got a question from Alex, not you. <laughs> Different Alex. Did you guys talk about this one in the group chat? <laughs> we did, uh, yeah. Do you think fans will ever be able to choose between their local broadcast broadcast crews and national crews to cover playoff games? The answer to this question uh, is no. I don't think they will ever be able to choose that because playoff money is a cash cow and the ability to sell those playoff rights separately from the RSNs allows owners to pocket all of the money from playoff revenue. This revenue is not shared or bargained over in the collective bargaining agreement, at least not currently. And so when you see the expansion of playoffs, that TV money was always going to be a huge, huge windfall for the owners. And that's why it was such a bargaining chip to allow the playoffs to be expanded was because the the actual financial boon from it was not ever going to be seen by the players, except in the instance that the their team actually makes it all the way to the end and they get more of a playoff share by winning more games. That does happen. But it's not directly correlated to playoff revenue. So to answer your question, Alex, no. They will sell it to the highest bidder, which will always be a national broadcast crew because that way that they can sell, that way they can package those two things separately and make the most money off of it. Yeah, well put. I have nothing I have nothing to add to that. My immediate answer was also resounding no. I mean, the only way that it would happen would be if your local broadcaster chose to sign a contract to announce for one of these national contracts. It won't go to the RSNs. Now, if RSNs die out in like five years and there's a completely different revolution on how we broadcast baseball games, I reserve the right to retract this statement. But currently how it's set up, and currently, how MOB has decided to present their product? No, uh, I would. I would also just like to add that at any time during this podcast, we reserve the right to change our opinion if the circumstances change. Okay, any right. prediction we make, any take that we have, is fluid. Right, like me saying that I don't know how much longer I can do this as a Mets fan. Please don't throw this back in my face <laughs> right, on exactly. February twenty fourth. <laughs> I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go. Max yeah. Scherzer, start an opening day. <laughs> no, old takes exposed is not welcome here. <laughs> Max Scherzer's not going to be starting opening day because Jacob deGrom is going to come back, so he's going to start opening day. Just so everybody knows, just so everybody's aware. Just, That's just true. So we all, all are clear here on the same page. Okay, let's talk about the Mariners and Blue Jays. Let's go M's, dude. Bro. Uh, Jen Ramos, friend of the podcast, asked us uh, one of the listener questions. Jen responded and said, what was the most sickos wildcard series? This was it. This was it. Mm-hmm. The Mariners making their first playoff appearance in 21 years. Them going down 8-1 to one in the second game on Saturday in Toronto and roaring back to tie the game and send it to extra innings. All at the same time that the Cleveland Guardians and the Tampa Bay Rays were tied 0-0 all the way through the 14th inning. Um, to me, it was the Mariners and Blue Jays. I don't know if you have a different answer for Jen, but... No, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think that the Mariners and Blue Jays series and the, the Guardians and Rays series are like two sides of the same coin. Like equally sicko level series for completely opposite reasons. The Guardians and Rays which we may get to in a second, or maybe not. I don't just speak. gloss right over them. Um, brutal to watch. Like, that's where I'm, I look at that, and I'm like, this is only sickos here. <laughs> I'm watching Mariners Blue Jays, 
And I'm like, this game has turned us all into sickos. Like, we were not coming into this, and it has jokerified every one of us. So, okay, somebody sent us Foolish Baseball's tweet, which I don't know if you saw that tweet, where he... <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, 0-0 in the 14th because of good pitching. I'm not reading verbatim. I'm just going from memory here. 0-0 in the 14th because of good pitching. Baseball is terrible. It's so boring. How could we possibly watch this? Right. These and are probably like, franchises. Yeah, 9-9 nine, nine in the 10th because of good hitting. This is what baseball is supposed to be. This is electric. This is October. <laughs> so are you are you agreeing with Foolish? I actually think he was being kind of tongue-in-cheek. Tongue well, I think I he, thought was he was saying those are two sides too. of the same coin. I agree, but I still think one is more fun than the other. I reserve the right to call a 0-0 game in 15 innings an interesting or poverty franchise or whatever it is. But like, I feel like it's just kind of a general agreement that to the broader public, it's more fun to watch big hits, big moments at the plate than it is to necessarily watch like a really good pitching duel. And I don't know what that says necessarily about the quality of either of these games, but as far as like I need to sit down and watch cuz I have no idea what's going to happen next, like it was Mariners Blue Jays. Yeah. Right. Clear like Guardians Rays, I was like bro, we were at an apple picking farm for like 3 hours from like the 3rd to the 8th inning. And they were still playing. That's just good fundies though. That's just good baseball. That's ball. You don't know ball if you don't think that's good baseball. <laughs> right. That's like, that's a real player's game. Right. Sorry, I just got replaced by an AI that, that only speaks in like weird amalgamations of like people who tweet with like 13 followers. And like mm-hmm. he, he knows ball. <laughs> right. You miss, uh, you miss a hundred percent of the pitches. Yep, you're getting there. You can land this. Plane. No, no, wait, no, that was it. Oh, that was, <laughs> they they were missing 100 percent of the pitches. That, that's that's actually true. <laughs> okay, here's my take on that. I think that if you're like a baseball purist, you can look at those two games and you can make a case for why they are equally good October baseball. However, the average fan roots for things to happen, and this is like, uh. You know, I'm producing a podcast at the Ringer right now called Gamblers. And in one of our most recent episodes, we were talking about Super Bowl prop bets and how this guy who is like the king of the Super Bowl prop, he makes his money by betting that stuff won't happen. Because most people, when they bet on Super Bowl props, they they bet on what their heart wants, even if they don't know. They're doing it subconsciously. They bet on what they want to see. They want to see a quarterback throw for over three touchdowns. They want to see the game go over on points. And so most people make these bets hoping that stuff will happen versus making a ton of bets that nothing will happen in the game and it'll be boring and a stinker because nobody wants to manifest that. And so I think that that is the same exact dichotomy that we're watching play out when you see a 0-0 game go into the 14th and you see an 8-8 to game go into extra innings in Toronto. We just want to see stuff happen because we want to see this like highlight reel in our head for years to come of stuff that we remember happening. And you're just not going to remember a 1-2-3 inning by game James Karinchak. You're just not. You're just not. Unless you are actively invested in whether James Karinchak is a cheater, which he definitely is. So you're saying I should have put this month's rent on the Padres to shut out the Mets in the hopes that the opposite is it kind of like a <laughs> is it kind of like a like a don't step on your crack or your break your mother's back thing? <laughs> like you <laughs> No, it's like you can get better odds by betting on shit not happening because everyone else mm. is betting on that stuff. Will oh, happen. you were just giving betting tips, okay? Right. Yeah. You should have bet the under <laughs> Cleveland versus the Rays. Clearly, Very obviously, it would have hit. That's my. We should just do a bit where we just give betting advice for games that have already happened. Like we uh-huh. only, <laughs> we just do like two minute videos. And we're like, hey, listen, I think we're gonna you're gonna want the under on Cleveland versus Tampa Bay. And we just see how quickly people are like, wait, what the fuck are these guys talking about? <laughs> amazing bit, amazing bit. We'll see if we can we're get a turning, sponsor for turning it. Monday morning quarterbacking into a full time job. Monday morning Hell sports yeah. betting advice. Yeah, exactly. Um 
I mean, that, that effectively covers Guardians versus Rays. Congratulations to the Cleveland Guardians, who are very a very fund- fundamentally sound baseball team with a really cool baseball player named Jose Ramirez. Not sure if you've heard of him. And a bunch of other like just really solid players, including two former Mets, Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez, who I'm, who I'm rooting for, which is why they've skyrocketed up a little bit in my, my now post-Mets, post-season power rankings. Willing to get a sponsor for that one too, if anyone's listening wants to sponsor that that running list as more teams get eliminated. We've gone a little long here, Alex. Do you? I don't know. How do you want to talk about the division series? How do you want to preview the division series? What series are you most excited to watch? Because I have an answer for myself. I honestly, I mean, I watched parts of all of these series, but I didn't watch a full <laughs> like a full first pitch to final out. Of any of the other games of the of the wild card round because I was so invested in the New York Mets. I mean, I think like many people whose team is out of contention this year, I'm kind of in on the Mariners. They feel like this sort of de facto underdog pick. And so I'm really excited to watch them versus the Astros. In part because as far as like league-wide juggernauts go the Astros feel like one or two degrees easier to topple than the Dodgers. Like even when the Dodgers are performing poorly, I still look at them and say, I don't know how you could literally score a single run off them. Right. The Astros, like you can kind of work a little bit and find holes or see how certain matchups might work to your advantage, whatever it is. I'm excited for that. Series and also, it, you know, it pits two division rivals against each other. There's sort of these competing narratives with Astros fans feeling like they have a five year chip on their shoulder, and Mariners fans feeling like they're just here for a good time. I love that energy. I love that energy. I like that answer. I also, the running storyline of the Astros absolutely owning the Mariners over the last <laughs> four or five years, or they just completely dominate them. Um, which I have been watching through Jordan Schusterman's eyes for the last couple of years, where he's just like, "Oh, here comes another sweep. Here, here comes another. Oh, going to Houston. Here comes another sweep." Mm-hmm. Um, I think will be interesting to see if they can they can flip that. You know, the one thing I will say about the Mariners. Man, that is a roster that is constructed for October. <laughs> you know, we have all these old adages about what you need to do to be able to win in the playoffs, and sometimes they're true and sometimes they're not. But they have two to four really good starting pitchers, good to great. Luis Castillo is a top seven pitcher in baseball. Yeah. And he is electric right now. He is on he is on one. Uh their bullpen is full of dudes who just throw incredibly hard with ridiculous movement they have more than a couple guys in their lineup with incredible pop in their bat who can get really hot and i don't like all of that stuff they just make for a tough out you know look at me tough out they're a tough out that's my analysis mariners are a tough out alex the ai has kicked back in put that in your pipe and smoke it Are they are they the series that you're most looking forward to? Is there is there another one on your docket? No, I'd like to watch the Los Angeles Dodgers and San Diego Padres the most. Um, because you'll be in and out really quickly. Uh, no, because the Dodgers are a core part of my identity, and I love uh, each and every okay. one of them mm-hmm. so deeply. Uh, I have a. I have a Dodgers hat with me right here. <laughs> that you do. Right now, I'm showing it on the camera. Alex can verify that. I, I brought mm-hmm. it with me to Los Angeles because I'm such a big fan of them. No, um, yeah. no, I'm really excited to see this like quasi-rivalry that never was because the Dodgers have just been so much better than the Padres in the NOS despite the fact that the Padres are making their, their best attempt at challenging them for this division that they have dominated so greatly over the last decade or so. Um, And also, you know, I'm such a huge fan of, like, historical greatness. I, like, tend to be the kind of person who's like, you know what? There's a shot at a dynasty. I'm just going to kind of support it. And I, like, not even from a front-runner perspective, like, pretending to be a fan of the team, but just being really excited about being able to witness 
<laughs> now I sound like a LeBron ad, but like <laughs> witness greatness in an unironic way. Like it's really, it's really cool. Like, do you want to tell your grandkids about the 87 win Phillies and Zach Eflin closing it out? Or do you want to tell your grandkids about the 113 win Dodgers who brought it home and who put the exclamation point on their dominant run of success over the last 10 years. Like to me that that is a compelling narrative and that is one of the one of the core reasons to why I actually am genuinely rooting for the Dodgers in this October. Dodgers Mariners win win can't lose. Huge win. Oh my god, it's it feels like there's a sort of clear delineation among the remaining teams as to like if you are teamless going into this round of the playoffs. There are like a handful that are very easy choices and a handful that you probably wouldn't. Uh, and there are a handful that you're not even going near. And I think teams like the Mariners and weirdly enough, the Dodgers. Dodgers get, like weirdly get a buy for being like a, you know, a 110 win <laughs> team, you know, and being an absolute juggernaut. And people are like, but like they're good and they're kind of fun. I actually, too. and that's kind of it. I genuinely think that they have some of the least annoying fans. They they absolutely do. Yeah, the Dodgers fans are just kind of chill, having a good time. You, know, uh, you would be too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. We gotta we gotta do some sort of empirical study into why that is. Do you right. want to? We gotta I, shut this down until we can figure out what's going on. <laughs> do you want to answer some some questions that are still lingering from, from yeah. our listeners? Uh, yeah, friend of the podcast, right. Mike Schubert asks, "What is the wildest choice for the red hot conspiracy?" I don't know if people were paying attention to this, but Joe Musgrove's ears appeared to be a little bit shiny and very red during the Sunday game against the New York Mets in which he dominated them. Buck Showalter came out and he asked for a substance check because Joe Musgrove's spin rates were up a little bit. And so, you know, Buck was just coming out just to just to ask the umpires to double check it. The umpire rubbed Joe Musgrove's ear <laughs> on live television. I can't believe we're mentioning this at like the Minute hour 60. mark of the podcast. Yeah. So Shubes asks, uh, what's your what's the wildest choice for what he actually had on his ear? The the actual red hot medical rub, hot sauce, the red hot hot sauce, or red hot's the candy? And what would be your choice to put on your ear? Sorry, can you run through the four to me again? So it so, was the it was the medical substance. Right. Which is like kind of like icy hot. Mm-hmm. Right. Which Andrew McCutcheon was the person who came on Twitter funnily enough, to share that some pitchers do shit like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I guess hot sauce, like Frank's Red Hot. <laughs> okay. It's just slathering it which, on that ear. Which I, which I love, by the way. If you're going to do hot sauce, do Frank's Red Hot. Sure. No, to, no free go ads. Go to franksredhot.com. <laughs> Shush. Stop. Don't make me bleep this out. <laughs> or the candy, Red Hots. I guess in this situation, Shubes, you're going to have to confirm whether this is true or not, but you would <laughs> melt that down to some sort of liquid and then rub that on your ears. <laughs> what would be the wildest choice? I think, I think it's the third. Pretty it's obviously. probably the third. That's yeah. a solid. That is a solid. You can't rub that on your ears. <laughs> and which would be your choice to put on your ear? You know, I don't like the sensation of my ears being hot, so I think that I would just opt out entirely. I w- I would too. I'm not um, beyond I'm not beyond like putting icy hot on my muscles like before an athletic event. Like I don't think if you're like sore or you're having problems like I remember in my illustrious pitching career <laughs> I had had a close play at the plate and like the the runner didn't slide and they like need me in the shoulder and so I had like this deep like muscle bruise and I like couldn't shake it for like a couple weeks and so like before my starts i would literally just slather my shoulder in biofreeze so i would smell (laughs) you know like mint or whatever that that insane smell is and like Mm -hmm. in between innings it would start to rub off and i would just put more biofreeze on and i was like this is probably not a healthy thing to do i probably should have taken a month off learning so much about you i know it's amazing you know we've been together we're like an old married couple Still mm-hmm. learning stuff about each other. <laughs> We're still <laughs> keeping it fresh, Alex. Um, I just want to say I I find options two and three equally weird, mostly because I mean three is maybe a step beyond because it, as we mentioned, it is a solid. Um, 
But neither of these substances are actually going to do anything to your skin, I would presume. Like, I mean, if Joe Musgrove has like made little cuts along his ear, now we're just hot getting into all insane territory. We are getting into insane territory. Yeah. This is like a horror movie. Like, this is like baseball's version of Pinhead. Like, what are we doing? Well, was it not? Were the playoffs not your horror movie? I'm not ready to answer that question. Okay, all right, we can. Move I on felt a little bit like how Florence Pugh's character in Midsommar feels, <laughs> where she's just watching everything go wrong slowly, and she's been like, "I kind of felt like it was going to go wrong this whole time, mm-hmm. ever since we went to Sweden. Like, why are we here with this weird cult?" She started notice stuff getting a little weirder, <laughs> sort of mm-hmm. like me in September. <laughs> didn't want to bizarro world. Didn't want to admit that it could happen. You know. Uh. Catfather and our friend Tom Payne have asked, if the Phillies win the World Series, will you become Tipping Pitches, a Phillies podcast? The answer to that is just a resounding no. No. (laughs) Just because we lost one bet does not mean that you can just get a bet with us for free. (laughs) Let me just say that right here, once and for all. All the people being like, Tipping Pitches, a Yankees podcast. Tipping Pitches, a Brewers podcast. No, we're not. No, we lost one bet, one time. If you would like to wager something with us, we will hear your offer. But my question to you, Catfather and Tom Payne, is what are you willing to give? What are you willing to risk if the Phillies don't win the World Series? Will you become Catfather, comma, a Mets fan? Will you become Tom Payne, comma, lifelong New York Giants fan? Death to the Eagles? No, you won't. So don't, don't just put this pressure on us with nothing in return. That's my rant. I have nothing to add to that. You encapsulated it perfectly. I was just listening to the art. Thank you. Uh, next question. Dante in our Slack wants to know, now that the Rays are out, who do we hate the most strictly because of how they spend on players? And why is the right answer Cleveland? Dante, you answered your own question. What else are we supposed to say? Of course the answer right. is Cleveland. They literally traded away all of their players. Because they don't spend on their players. That's why. I mean, it does raise an interesting question. The, the whole like tipping pitches narrative ball of of the teams that are remaining, there's there there are two very high stakes on each side of this scale. Is that that Cleveland could win, and it could basically cause a a decade of fallout of everybody trading away a bunch of their players and trying to do what they've done, which teams already want to do and are already trying to do. And then the Padres winning on the other side, which is just like go all in, screw it, small market, whatever that even means. I don't even care. Let's try to win the World Series. Those are sort of the two poles. So if you're looking at it through this lens, I would advise you to root for the Padres. Or the Dodgers, I guess. You know, big market, spend a lot of money. Right, but that's like... But don't the, root for the Yankees. <laughs> the the Dodgers are like the third way that no one else has really figured out yet. Like, you can root for the Dodgers, but it's not going to be replicable in the nope. next decade. No. <laughs> not unless Andrew Friedman has some twin brother... <laughs> That wants to run the New York Mets. The only other team willing to spend like that. Uh, Alex, I'm going to speed round three questions for you at the end here. Okay. With all due respect to Breathe an Orange Fire, who has been a, a longtime follower and question asker and huge Astros fan, huge, huge Astros fan who asked us to set the Astros rotation after Justin Verlander, I don't feel qualified to do that. <laughs> I think from we, I exhausted like all of my Astros or just general baseball analysis right. last Fromber would guys. be second for me. That's my take. Right. Um, yeah. Justin Verlander. Good. Get it thrown the ball. Uh, okay. Three music-related questions to close it out. Amazing. Number one. Jamie Lowry asks, will Joe West have features on his album? <laughs> Wait. Does he have a new one? I don't know. I guess Jamie is asking if Joe West has features or like... Just would he album? would he generally? He seems like he's at the age where he's probably in victory lap mode a little bit, which I think encourages getting features on your app. You know, once you've kind of done what you've set out to accomplish, yeah, just bring all your friends on, right? right. Everyone right. you've made along you, everyone you've met along the way, have them come drop a verse. Why not? Exactly. Like I would describe him as sort of like a made man in the spoken country album world. And so because of that, he can really get anyone to come drop a feature. So will Joe West have features on his album? Yes. The second music related question. 
comes from Julianne. Julianne asks, are the Dodgers going to become the new Giants and win a World Series every year Taylor Swift releases a new album? I love this theory. The answer is a resounding yes. Mm -hmm. The Dodgers are the new Giants. We've been saying it for years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Dodgers are the new Giants. And I feel like Taylor is more aligned with the Dodgers anyway. If we're being if we're being honest, what, like a sort like of like from LA, like LA New York connection between the two of mm-hmm. them, sort of like the the like mass appeal, like how could you not love this? Sort of like Americana, right? Feel that the Dodgers have more so than the Giants, who are like evil, evil. Yeah, something deep, deep untoward is going on with that franchise. But <laughs> from okay, the depths. Well, well, I'm just curious about the premise. I'm just playing heaven. Come on. I'm curious about the premise because in 2020 Taylor released two albums and the Dodgers didn't even win one World Series. Wow. So because they won the Mickey Mouse title. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just You are such a hater, dog. Like while I'm over here being warmly embraced by Dodgers Twitter. Right. You are, actually. I'm being brought in with open arms. Mm-hmm. My services are for hire. You're over there making enemies. And that's the divide between the two of us. I'm the lover. You're the fighter. We've always said this. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep you humble, man. <laughs> Julianne, the answer is yes. The Dodgers are winning it all, and Taylor Swift is going to put out another phenomenal album, even though I do have some reservations about <laughs> everything that's happened so far with that album. Uh, final question. Jesse, in our Slack, asks, which Taylor Swift song best describes and encapsulates the wildcard series or the divisional series? I'm going to let you take this one. Because I don't have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I was thinking about this answer in the wake of the Mets elimination and in the lead up to recording this podcast. And so I was thinking about it from a sort of scorned fan whose team just got eliminated, right? Okay. So I might say a song like Picture to Burn mm. encapsulates for, say, a Mets fan or a Cardinals fan. Sure. Uh, the uh, the wild card series. Um, as an A's fan, it's I forgot that you existed. <laughs> I just I, so <laughs> I thought that it would kill me, and it didn't. I but have just a, saying. <laughs> uh, as a Mets fan, I gotta say, this season sort of feels like the one. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. Uh-huh. On Sunday night, I was feeling kind of Coney Island vibes. It would have been fun. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been fun. Bobby, soon you'll get better. But honestly... You, you have to. Can you sing that? Can you hit that falsetto? <laughs> uh, I'm feeling a little bit like, don't blame me. You know? <laughs> don't blame me for being this crazy about the Mets. You guys made me this way. You guys being the New York Mets organization and the collective New York Mets fandom. Well, because if it doesn't, you're not doing it right. (laughs) That's what I've been told. Exactly. That's the problem. So those are my three. Thank you for the phenomenal questions. Yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of Tipping Pitches. Thank you as well to everyone who signed up for our Patreon in this past week. It's so many of you joining us for October. And the Slack has been absolutely out of control in October. Some of the best baseball analysis on the internet. Honestly, people should be people should be paying to read this content. <laughs> Those new members this week are Marcus, Jamie, Jesse, Ed Weirdo, Jack, Steven, Jonah, Greta, Owen, Dawson, Globular Dumbass, specifically asked to be identified as Globular Dumbass, Max, Tuck, Reno, and Natalie. Major shout out to uh, all of our Alex Rodriguez VIP Club patrons this week, I'm sorry I don't have the list of five of you in front of me because um, I'm I was on the road and wasn't able to prepare it. But we appreciate all of you, especially at this time when baseball is more stressful to me than ever. <laughs> this is this is the time where you really need a community of support. Exactly right, exactly. and they have provided that safety net. And you know what? The A Rod VIP Club tier was riding high with all the A Rod content from this week. Uh-huh. All there, and just like I said, the Mariners advanced. We're getting closer and closer to him just being fucking weird. When the Mariners are in the World Series, him just being his absolute 
weirdest self. Still don't know what's going on. That is on a with pretty it. good reason to root for the Mariners. It is. Still it's what really... you said last week, and then I'm it, it resonates with me now. Thank you. Still don't really know what's going on with his uh, Timberwolves payments, but more to come on that in the offseason for certain. Alex, anything else to leave the people with this week? No, I don't think so. We should be back on our normal schedule next week, but obviously with the postseason full swing, we want to make sure that we are giving you the most up-to-date takes, obviously. So we're trying to space it out, series by series. But in any case, we'll be back um, hopefully in a less like deranged state next week. I don't know. Or maybe we'll hopefully get worse. in a more deranged state. Who even knows what makes for That's better really content? The if your team is still in it, best of luck to you. Unless your team happens to be one of the other teams in the National League East, in which case I hope they lose. You mean the Phillies? Talk to you next week. It'll be over my dead body. So get out while you can. Cause you ain't woman enough to take my man. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!